Welcome to the Fear Boss Show, a show created to help you become the bravest, boldest, and most badass version of yourself yet. Now, this show is allergic to basic. It's a show that loves real talk. It's a show that will help you slay self-doubt, and it's a show designed to help you check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm your host, Judy Holler, best-selling author, keynote speaker, improv theater junkie, and a hip-hop-loving entrepreneur. It's kind of like this. If Amy Poehler and Dr. Dre had a baby, uh, that would basically be me. I am obsessed with helping you smash comfort zones and experiment with your fear so you can get more freedom in your life personally and professionally. This podcast is going to help you do just that. So, are you ready? Let's get this fear party started. You are listening to The Fear Boss Show, episode 30. This episode may contain some adult content and language, so please take care while listening. Welcome back to The Fear Boss Show. Fear Boss, this is your show. It's a show obsessed with helping you smash those comfort zones and experiment with your fears so you can be just a little bit braver than you were yesterday. Yo, how is this episode 30? Episode 30. That means that for 30 weeks in a row, I have recorded an episode for you. And it's so funny, when I started this in January, like the first episode came out right after the new year. It was January 3rd. And I remember being so nervous, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to keep up. And how will I create content? And what if I suck? And what if no one listens? And here we are, thousands and thousands of downloads later. Oh my gosh. And hundreds and hundreds of reviews later. And thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for telling your fear boss friends. And just thank you for being patient as I learned this podcasting thing. And my goodness, it's amazing what you can do when you bet on yourself, when you show up, when you dig in and choose to bet on yourself and do the hard work. And I guess I'm just telling you this because if I can record 30 episodes of a podcast, you most certainly can do the hard thing too. So I just taught a webinar, a free webinar this past week, and it was really geared toward entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, small business owners, and uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. And it was all about how to get some momentum. And specifically, I shared the 10 things I would do if I had to start over today from scratch. And that webinar was straight fire. It was so much fun. We had almost 500 people register for that free webinar. And it was just awesome. So we had hundreds of people on live and a lot of you who got to watch it on the replay. That said, the content was awesome. And the content is most certainly important. And the content is absolutely relevant now more than ever because there are so many budding entrepreneurs, so many of you who have had this time and this space in quarantine to really think about what's next. Maybe you've been furloughed. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe things have changed in your company, in your organization, and you're really rethinking what matters and 
what you want to do and where you want to go and where your passions really lie. Maybe you have the time now to really think about making those dreams of yours a reality and putting some goals and deadlines behind them. Maybe you want to start a new business, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you just want to rethink and reimagine and reinvent your personal brand and the way you do business inside what you do professionally. So I want to dedicate this podcast episode to that big idea. And I want to share here today the 10 things I would do if I had to start over today. If I had to start my business over today from scratch, these are the 10 things I would do. First things first, y'all, I can't get into the content without shouting out our fear boss of the week, who is Katie Stewart. Katie Stewart, you are a fear boss. Thank you so much for your beautiful review on iTunes. And because you left an iTunes review, that makes you one of the fear bosses of the week. She writes, I'm not sorry with a bunch of hand claps. That is the subject line of her review. And she goes on to say this. I am so thankful for the light you are shining on all of our potential to be real fear bosses. I love, love, love this podcast and will be a forever fear boss with some dancing emojis. She goes on to say some other things. And really, it was just such a beautiful review. And I am so glad, Katie Stewart, that I am the pep talk you never knew you needed. And I am so grateful grateful for your beautiful podcast review on iTunes. So because you reviewed my podcast on iTunes, you are the fear boss of the week. Drop me a DM on Instagram with your best mailing address or shoot an email to me at hello at judyholler.com with your mailing address and snail mail. A little fear boss surprise will be on the way to you. I also want to shout out our sponsor this week for this episode number 30, and it's me, the Fear Boss Project Workbook. Did you know it's available right now on Amazon? And you guys, this workbook is something I've been dreaming of creating for you and am so excited it's finally here. And I love seeing all of you on Instagram using it and hashtagging it and creating with it and using it in your book clubs and with your teams and with your your groups. It is just so inspiring to see what you're loving about the workbook. And really, this workbook is a tool that you can use at work with your team or any of the teams that you lead to really have brave conversations. You can use this workbook in in your book clubs and uh, most certainly to spark ideas for your sales meetings. The pages of the workbook are filled with powerful questions and playful activities and thought-provoking chapters and lifestyle tips and quotes. And it's really going to lead you on a journey of self-discovery that will help you you, of course, experiment with your fear and smash those comfort zones so you can get braver than you were yesterday. We've got a color version, a black and white version, and it's on Amazon right now. So pick your pleasure and your price point. Go grab a copy, light a candle, catch a vibe, and tag me on Instagram when you grab it. I'd love to see what you love about the workbook. Okay, Fear Boss, let's jump into the 10 things I would do if I had to start over today from scratch. If I had to start my business over today from scratch, here are the 10 things I would do. Number one, you have got to build your list. Here's the deal. You don't own your social media. And if Mark Zuckerberg decides to take down all the Instagram and the Facebook and all the things down tomorrow, you lose all of that content and all 
all of your followers. So you have to have a home base. So I want you to think about your website. You got to have a website. So your website is your house. And if your website is your house, then your email list is the lock on the doors of your house. Now, I'm not saying that in a creepy way, like you're here and now you can't get out of my house. No, but in a protection sort of way, it keeps you safe and secure. It keeps your business safe and secure should a storm roll through, should social media go away. So I want you to always be thinking about driving people there to your website, to your home base, and to your mailing list. I want you to always be building that list and cultivating it on the regular. And of course, always be backing it up because technology can crash. So I want you to collect emails at your events, with whether you speak live or virtually. Every time you're out there speaking and someone is hearing you present content, do you have a way to collect emails and to get emails from those who are interested in hearing more from from you? Do you have an opt-in on the homepage of your website that triggers a free gift in trade for their email? Can you collect emails at trade shows? I mean, anytime you are out there selling or representing your business and or your brand, you've got to be thinking about how you're collecting emails. These are the people that have said, yes, I see you. I like you. I want to hear more. Here's my card. Here's my email, right? So always be thinking about building your list, making sure you have a home base, a website, and then, of course, a list of people that are engaging with what you're selling. And this really walks us into step number two, tip number two, really, which is to create a newsletter to serve your list. So let's break this down. You've got a website, okay? You built a website, and then you're starting to build a list. And there are all kinds of really cool software platforms you can use from a list-building perspective. I specifically use MailChimp, and every email we get is put into MailChimp, and MailChimp is what we use to create our newsletter. Constant Contact is another one that is very popular. You could literally Google email software platforms free, email software platforms paid, and find all kinds of resources. So use Google to research this. I specifically use MailChimp for my list that's where all my emails live. And then my newsletter is auto-populated out of MailChimp. It's super user-friendly, but here's the deal. You could have this big, beautiful list of hundreds of emails, but if they're just sitting there collecting dust, what's the point? You're not serving them. It's such a waste. So for example, I have a newsletter. It's called the Friday Fear Boss 5. And if you're not signed up for my newsletter, go to the show notes and get yourself signed up for my Friday newsletter. I've been doing it for five years every Friday. And if you haven't seen it in a while, it's probably in your junk. So check your junk. Uh, But definitely click the link in my bio on Instagram. Go to the show notes. Uh, Go to the homepage of my website and you'll see my opt-in. You can give me your email and trade for a downloadable PDF of my morning pages and my journaling prompts. So you can really see how I'm doing that for my business by collecting emails on the homepage of my website and then 
then creating a, a newsletter to serve that community. So my newsletter is called the Friday Fear Boss Five. And while that newsletter is always evolving, it's most certainly changed over the five years. Uh, it's got a rhythm and a pattern and my community can count on it. Uh, the way to start in this area is just to start and to start creating something consistently every week. And maybe for you, every week feels overwhelming. So start bi-weekly every other week. I just feel that once a month is not enough. So I want you to think about creating a newsletter that is short and sweet and fun and easy to digest while also still being authentic to your business and your brand. You want to create something that will keep you in touch with your community, the people who want more, who've opted in, the people who are interested in you and your business and what you have to say. Plus, plus, they are your buyers. So when you have something to sell or market or launch, they can buy. So it's so important to be collecting emails but what are you doing with them? So think about it this way. If your website is your business house, like your storefront, okay, and your email list is the lock on the doors, you know, not in a creepy way, in a safety and security way, right? Your customers, your prospects. Well, then the newsletter is the key to unlock revenue and potential and true connections. So use your newsletter to teach and inspire and share and solve problems and build trust. We buy from people we trust. <laughs> so when it's time to sell or launch something, your list will be ready to buy because you've shown up. They have seen you over the years, over the months, over the weeks, and they trust you and you're someone they feel like they know, not someone they saw at an event or at a meeting or at a trade show two years years ago. All right. So the third thing I would do, the third thing you need to do if you are starting a business is you have got to get yourself some street cred. Listen, I spoke for free for years, probably seven, eight years before getting paid one dime in order to get experience and really to get any good on stage. But... I also did it for strategic reasons. I needed street cred and I needed photos and videos and testimonials and client logos so that people would hire me and pay me actual money. So I want you to think about working for free early on in order to get what you need in order to sell yourself. It is a strategic and smart business move. So if you are a speaker, I want you to speak for free in order to get photos of you on stage and customer logos for your website and testimonials that you can use and cool video of you rocking the stage. If you're a photographer, I want you to photograph families and weddings and brands for free in order to get images for your website and endorsements and testimonials. If you're a writer, I want you to write for trade publications for free to get your work published or offer to write the website copy for someone's website or contribute to a blog or write for a brand in order to get endorsements and experience. If you're a flower shop, I want you to give away some of your beautiful flowers in trade for badass photos or send flowers to influencers for mentions on their page. And if you're a video producer, say you produce videos, I want you to produce a video for a company or a brand you love uh, to help them to solve a problem for them so that you can have work to promote and a client that will endorse you. 
Listen, you don't get to be Oprah overnight. And Beyonce was not built in a day, okay? I spoke for years for free before I ever had one paid speech. And I got that paid speech because I had built trust. And I built trust by showing up with the social proof that I was out there doing work and succeeding. Number four, let's talk about nailing your niche. You've got to nail a niche. You've got to pick a lane. Listen, there is so much fear around this one because it feels like you won't work or you won't get any customers if you like niche down too hard. So we cast this really big net out of fear, yet what you end up doing is being confusing and for everyone. And if you are for everyone, you are for no one. I mean, listen, you're going to evolve and change, but the more focused you get, the more money you will make, right? And so it'll also be easier, by the way, to create things to sell and to write things for your audience in your micro content online because you've gotten laser focused. So let me give you some examples. Life coaching, life coaching is vague, but an Instagram coach is specific. Photography is vague, but a photographer who only shoots babies is specific. A chef I'm a chef. That's vague. But a vegan chef is specific. Health coach. Health coach. A health coach is vague. But a health coach who works specifically with diabetic women, that is a niche. A speaker. I'm a speaker. That's vague. But a speaker who uses improv to talk about courage is specific. So think about what you love doing and then what you think the market will pay for. You got to do a little bit of research. You know, use Google, ask questions on your social media, survey your list, survey your following on social, create a customer avatar. You can Google customer avatar exercises and really learn about what it looks like to know who your customer avatar is. I did this when starting my business. I did this when I rebranded from personal branding into using improv to manage fear. And I did this when writing my book. Like, who was I writing for? Because if you're writing for everyone, you're writing for no one. So I had a customer avatar, a reader avatar. We named her. We gave her a photo, right? We knew how old she was, how much money she made, what she follows, what she reads. Does she have kids? Does she have dogs? All the things, right? So I want you to get clear on who you really are creating for. And listen, listen online to what people are saying that follow you around your topic and around your ideas. I'm always Google searching brave and courage and listening to to what people are searching for as it relates to the things that really make up the core of my brand, which is self-confidence and courage and managing fear and bravery and self-doubt and self-sabotage, all of those things. You've got to lead. You've got to lead with what your customer wants and then show them what they need. For me, in the Fear Boss community, a Fear Boss, you, you want more courage. Absolutely. You want more freedom in your life. You want to be braver. But what you really need is self-love and confidence, the confidence to go do brave things and the endurance to keep doing brave things and 
and the high-performance habits that will get you there and keep you there. So those are the tools that I DJ out. Those are the problems that I solve, and I only got there because I listened. And I've been out there experimenting and testing and listening and watching so that I could really get clear on who my audience is and what problems they have. The fifth thing you need to think about is what you stand for and more importantly, what you want to be known for. So this is an exercise I learned about a couple of years ago and my goodness, I wish I knew it eight years ago. So I want to share it with you. So tip number five is to know your five things. I felt early on in business, I was all over the place, which is okay. I mean, most new entrepreneurs were all over the place, right? And any human that is creating a new business really sometimes feels disconnected. That's okay. I know from personal experience, I wanted to be and do all of the things. Was I a speaker or was I an MC or was I a blogger or a writer or a salesperson or an improviser or an entrepreneur? entrepreneur or a creative because I felt like all of them. So what the what? I I was so confused. I had no focus. And like when people would ask me, so what do you do? I would get really nervous, right? I have like back sweat and I'd stumble and mumble. And I just couldn't quickly and clearly articulate what it is that I do. And that wasn't serving me or my business. And it also made it hard to grow a following because if I wasn't clear, how would the follower know who I am and what I stand for. And if I'm confused, you can bet your bottom dollar. My audience was confused too. So I got focused and I decided that I was going to get really clear on the five things I wanted to be known for and then arrange my content around those big ideas. And this really helped me get what I wanted in business and in life. And it also helped my followers, my tribe, the community, you, the ones that follow know who I am and what I stand for. When you come onto my page on Instagram, I'm DJing out a set of things on the regular, and they really encompass my brand and my overall business goals. So I decided I wanted to be known as a world-class speaker and a best-selling author. So I DJ out content around speaking and writing books. I wanted to be known as an entrepreneur, so I provide business and small business and entrepreneurial tips. I wanted to be known as a fear leader, the OG fear boss, and I talk about our community and I'm out there building a community and helping people think about how they can build their own communities. I wanted to be known as an improv junkie. And as you know, improv has inspired my entire life. So you'll see me talk about improv all the time. And I also wanted to be known as fun. So you'll see me DJ out content about my life and the things that make me laugh. And you'll see me dance into crazy videos and doing all kinds of stuff. So those are my five things. And then centering my content around those five things has really helped me get focused. So I I encourage you to do the same. You know, what are your five things? And it's okay if your five things change, but do you have a little bit of focus? Are you helping your audience know who you are and what you stand for? Because this is going to give people the confidence and the trust to follow you and keep following you. And more importantly, follows aside to engage with your brand and ultimately to trust you enough to buy from you. 
Number six, you got to have a mission. I think knowing your mission and having a one-sentence way to respond to the question, so what do you do, is a really awesome thing to be able to do. And like I said, for the longest time, I got really nervous when someone asked me what I did because I had no focus. I hadn't nailed my niche, and I hadn't picked my five things, and I didn't have a mission. So I would say when someone said, so what do you do? I would be like, oh, I'm a speaker, which was true for a while, yet that was only like, a part of the story. I was truly doing so much more. And that changed very rapidly for me. I mean, at the beginning, yes, I was only speaking and then speaking turned into author and author turned into writer and writer turned into entrepreneur and creative entrepreneur and course designer and community builder and you get the vibe, right? So having a mission and doing that work really set me free and it gave me the guts to say what it is that I really want, right? About myself and my business. And listen, Listen, you can't wait. You can't be afraid here. You can't wait for anyone to appoint you. You've got to crown yourself, you know? So for the longest time, I was afraid to be like, you know, I'm a CEO. I run a business. I'm a creative entrepreneur. I would sort of dim my light when people asked me what it is that I do. And I eventually just said, no, I'm going to step into my power here and really say what it is that I believe about myself to be true. So now when someone asks me, so what do you do? I say, sometimes I do say I'm a speaker and an author. It depends on the environment. But most times I am saying this. I say, I own a creative company that is on a mission to make the world a braver place. And usually the person goes, oh my God, so how do you do that? And I say, well, I do that through my keynote speeches, the books I write, my podcasts, the products I create, and the courses I design. And We sort of have an improvised conversation from there. And so having a mission statement really helped. And Amanda on my team and I, we actually, I hired a professional company, a company called Rebel Pilgrim. They're awesome. I'll link up to them in in the show notes. But they helped me uh, craft our mission statement, the fear boss mission statement, if you will, which has become our, our business mission statement. And we spent like a whole day in their office with a whiteboard and markers and snacks and coffee and all the things, right? And it got us to our mission statement, which is that we believe freedom lives in smashing comfort zones. We believe that our freedom, the freedom you want in this life, physically, mentally, financially, professionally, personally, emotionally, all that freedom you want in life requires you to do the uncomfortable things required in order to earn that freedom. So you've got to be willing to smash comfort zones, to dance around in the discomfort zone if you want a life that is truly free. So that means everything we do, everything I do, everything we create or amplify inside and outside of the business for the Fear Boss community for you really revolves around this idea that any freedom you want (laughs) requires you to be brave enough to get uncomfortable in order to earn it. So a mission statement really is your personal true north. It is what you will and will not stand for. I mean, we will not in the business as a fear boss. I will not play it safe. I am on a mission 
to smash comfort zones, to rattle the cage of mediocrity with my courage. So that mission is a true north for me. It's what I will and won't stand for. It lets people that follow you and people you work with know what you will and will not stand for. It's an anthem. It's a manifesto. And it's the heartbeat to your business. It also, bonus, makes saying no so much easier because you're only choosing to do things and work with people who measure up to and believe in that mission. Number seven, I want you to think about having some macro brand stories. These are the big stories that make up the why behind what it is that you do, otherwise known as your origin story. So if you are a LinkedIn coach, what brought you to coaching people on LinkedIn? If you're a health coach that coaches women who have diabetes, what brought you to that work? If you're a teacher who has online courses for stay-at-home moms, what brought you to that work? The why behind who you are and what you do is important. It matters. And it always stems from somewhere or something. So an example would be uh, one of my signature stories is always the story about how I quit improv. I use this in my content uh, on social media, on my podcast from time to time, and most certainly in my speeches. It's one of the signature stories in my uh, keynote on fear. I tell it from the stage all over the United States and beyond. It's one of my signature stories because it really defines why I do what I do. That moment, signing up for improv, quitting the first time, going back two years later, and having that door being opened change my life, that's an origin story. It's why I am so passionate about smashing comfort zones and doing things that scare you and opening doors and starting before you're ready and going scared, right? So I tell that story a lot. I also have macro stories on my long-term relationship with my anxiety and managing mental wellness. I have macro stories on my love of hip hop and being afraid for a long time to infuse that into my life and into my business. And I have macro stories on entrepreneurship and leaving corporate America to chase my dream. And then I have micro stories, which are the baby stories, the small stories. They're a little bit more acute, right? They're the stories that are inspired by the things that are happening to me on the regular. And they're usually always aligned with the five things things, right? My five things I want to be known for. So while your stories will change as you change, they should, you should have one to three macro, like big stories that really lean into why it is you do what you do ready. And you should be sharing them often. So if you're a health coach, maybe it's your losing 100 pounds story. If you work in finance, maybe it's the story of how you got out of $100,000 in debt. If you speak on leadership, maybe it's the story of how you never went to college but still built a company. Or if you help people build LinkedIn profiles, maybe it's the story of how you were a stay-at-home mom who got back into the workforce after not working for 10 years. Those are macro stories. Those are origin stories. They tell us why you do what you do. And I, I challenge you to not only refine those stories, but to share them often. You get new followers, new members of your community every single day. And spoiler alert, no one is watching you 24-7. So share those stories. Number eight, I want you to teach 
versus sell. I think we get really afraid to sell, but if we're not selling, then we're not really in business. But teaching, teaching feels cozy and productive and actually doable. And what you don't realize is that when you teach, you're actually selling because you're building trust and trust is money. So I want your new mantra to become learn from me instead of look at me when you post anything anywhere. I mean, Instagram is so full of look at me content and it's exhausting and kind of basic and it doesn't provide any value. Learn from me content, learn from me content packs a big punch and it builds trust and it provides value. So let me give you an example here. So I work primarily as a key keynote speaker, traveling all over, speaking on big stages. Now I'm speaking on big virtual stages, but you get the point. I love that part of my business, and I want to remind people that I am a speaker, and I'm for hire, and I want to work with your group and the whole thing. So say I want to post a really cool picture of me on stage, like rocking it, right? A a look at me post that would provide no value and probably lose me followers would look like this. I'd post a photo of me on stage, and it would say in the caption, had so much fun at this event in Dallas. I love standing ovations. Uh, Okay, basic, no value, total bragalicious, right? A learn from me post would look like this. It's me on stage, same photo, but instead I say this. Have you ever gotten really nervous before speaking on stage? Yeah, me too. Here are three things I do to calm my nerves before every big speech. And then boom, I provide those three tips. So I'm still reminding my tribe and my audience that I I speak and I'm for hire. Hey, it's me. Look at me. I'm rocking a stage. But I'm not doing that. I am providing value by teaching and sharing truthful advice that really helps me calm my nerves. So I'm doing both. I'm teaching And I'm selling and I'm building trust. And another and, it aligns with my five things. Remember, I want to be known as a world-class keynote speaker. So that is a simple strategy you can use online to make a big change today. I learned this tip from my friend Erin King. She wrote a book called Digital Persuasion. I'll link up in the show notes. But she has this really cool course, and it's all about social media. And she gives three ways to start your Instagram posts that I just, or any social media content, really, any micro content to really get into a place of trust and true storytelling with your reader. And she likes to start her posts with these three sentences or these three lines. Have you ever, so there you are, imagine that you. So there you are, have you ever, imagine that you. Notice there's no eyes in any of that. So when you're thinking about teaching versus selling, remember, less eyes, more use. Less eyes, more use. We want to read something and have it be for us. We want to see ourselves in whatever you're posting. We want to talk about ourselves. We want to make our lives better. We don't really care about your life and all the things that you love. Teach, learn from me, not look at me. All right, number nine, we're almost there, two left. Number nine, I want you to diversify and amplify. (laughs) And if COVID and this pandemic has taught me anything, it is this, that we have to diversify and then we also have to be brave enough to amplify. So when you're starting your business, you'll probably go all in on your biggest strength first. And you really should. I mean, when I started my business, I bet on my biggest strength, which was speaking. I was a speaker. I am a speaker. And I went all in on that strength because I knew that is something I did better than most people. So 
I went all in there. Yet you have to diversify. You can't put it all on red. You've got to think about stacking dimes, meaning you have to work on getting multiple revenue streams into your business as soon as you can. And I'm so glad that about a year ago, before this pandemic hit, Amanda on my team, we were talking very seriously about starting to stack dimes in other areas, not only in case something happened, and it did, because things always happen. We're always kind of preparing for the worst case scenario, which is not a negative way to be as a business owner. I think it's a really smart and brave way to be because it it helps you be a little bit more conservative and think about diversifying in your business, stacking those dimes. But we definitely were having those conversations. And another reason we were having those conversations is to also get me off the road. I mean, I was living on an airplane, and that's exhausting. I miss funerals. I missed weddings. I missed a lot. I missed most falls. I don't even remember the last two falls. I mean, convention season is insane in the fall. And so I really started thinking about like, you know, what if something happens? What if I were to get sick or what if I were to get burnt out? You know, and I was getting close to that. What if I needed a change of pace? What if something shifted in my family and I couldn't sustain this level of speaking? So I needed to think about diversifying and speaking in stacking those dimes up a little bit more for myself and having those those multiple revenue streams to not only help me and my family and my business grow, but also to serve my community in a more robust way. So I really recommend thinking about diversifying sooner than you're ready. You'll start out likely going all in on your strength. And for me, that was speaking. But now I have books and products and courses and coaching and digital platforms coming soon. And we're building a community, all of the things. So once you diversify, whatever that is, and anything that it is you're selling, you need to be brave enough to amplify. This means you got to be brave enough to sell and to talk about it and to teach. Remember, learn from me is your new secret weapon. Not look at me, learn from me. You can't be afraid to promote yourself and your offerings. So I want you to get out there and think about amplifying your work. Because here's the deal. If I don't know what it is that you do, who it is that you are, and how it is that I can help you, then how can we help you? How can we buy from you? So be brave enough to amplify and be smart enough to diversify. All right. And last but not least, hire a coach. Hire a coach or work with the mastermind. I mean, if there's one thing that has changed my life the most and that continues to change my life, it's my coaches. Over the last four years, I have worked with multiple coaches and made budgeting for them as important as paying my mortgage. And it is a business expense for me that is non negotiable. Uh, the first two years of my business, I hired a legit business speaking coach. Like she is in the business of launching speakers and they're speaking businesses. Her name's Jane Atkinson. She wrote the book called Wealthy Speaker. She has the Wealthy Speaker podcast. She's awesome. I'll link up to her in the show notes. She's for hire, I think, and she's got a course. I know she only takes a certain amount of clients every year, but she's got courses and podcasts. She's awesome. So if you want to get into speaking, could not recommend her enough. I worked with her for about two years. Then I hired a performance coach as I refined and rewrote my keynote speech. Then I hired a business coach uh, and a life coach to sort of help me scale up as an entrepreneur. 
entrepreneur. I have a book coach, someone helping me in that area. And now I'm in a mastermind. And my mastermind has an illusionist, a book agent, a children's book agent, a fashion model photographer, and a Broadway play producer. So imagine the inspiration and input I'm getting, you know, to help me scale as a creator and as a storyteller. So coaching and masterminding and investing in that is a game changer. You got to pay to play, period. And every single coach that I've worked with has leveled me up in ways I could have never imagined. Plus, I found that when you're paying money, you just show up in bigger ways. When you invest in yourself, it brings a level of swagger to your commitment, right? A coach is there to motivate and inspire you, but you got to do the work. A coach doesn't do the work for you. They're there to ask the questions, to guide you, to shave off some of the learning curve, right? To point you in the right direction, but you got to show up and do the work. So the number one question I get asked in our community is, do you offer Judy? Do you offer Fear Boss private one-on-one coaching? And forever, the answer has always been no for years because I just have never had the bandwidth. Well, quarantine happened and I started experimenting with it and really started mentoring two individuals who I think are killing the game to really help them level up. And I loved it. I'm I'm loving watching them make deep progress and build self-confidence and learn new things and moving faster than they would on their own. Plus, I love teaching, right? It's in my bones. So if you're listening to this and there's enough time, we have until August 1st. Fun announcement. I am officially opening up some private coaching. I'm taking on eight private clients until August 1st, 2020. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you'd like to apply, we'll work together for six months. So if you're ready to level up, if you want to invest in yourself, if you'd like to work with me, if you if you are a small business owner, if you are a leader who wants to level up, and if you're an aspiring small business owner who wants to write a book or build a business or become a speaker, I got you. This is probably for you. So I'll link up in the show notes and you can learn more about all the things. That said, I really hope you took something away and I hope you had an aha moment or two. And if you did, will you do me a favor and tell me about it on the Instagram? Tag me. Let me know that you've listened to this podcast and which one of these tips like sort of calls at your heart the most. And maybe, maybe I'll see your application come through to work with me this year. Okay, Fear Boss, I hope you loved this episode as much as I loved making it for you. Again, if you dug this episode, don't forget to throw your love my way in the reviews and make sure you screenshot this episode to let me know that you're listening. I want to know which one of those 10 ideas really inspires you the most. Also, talk to me. Share your show ideas, questions, and inspiration with me. You can email me at hello at judyholler.com or send a message to me on any of the social media. I want to hear from you because this show show is for you. As always, thank you for listening. And in the meantime, until next week, stay brave and keep experimenting with your fear. Well, hi there. It's me again. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so damn glad you're here. And if you loved this episode, which I hope you did, my hand is on my heart. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling a little extra boss today, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a review on iTunes so more fear bosses like you can find this podcast. And better yet, share this podcast with a fear boss you love and encourage them to listen. 
For more on me, my work, and my keynotes, you can visit me at judyholler.com, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R.com to learn more. And this is also where you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called The Fear Boss 5, and it comes out every Friday where I share five things I'm loving, learning, and reading. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if you love this podcast, you're going to love the newsletter, and you can sign up right there on my website. My book is available at most of your favorite book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, airports, all the things. So search me up on Google or type Judy Holler into Amazon and grab your copy. Last but not least, you can always come hang out with me on the social media. Instagram is my favorite place to be. I'm on Instagram at Judy Holler, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fears, my homeboy, and Twitter as well at Judy Holler. Until next time, Fear Boss, keep experimenting with your fear and stay brave.